You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Guys, I've said it once, I'll say it again. FredHeBakes.com is a fantastic way to treat yourself to some delicious baked goods. So hurry on over to the website, FredHeBakes.com, and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. It is delicious, and you are going to really enjoy these treats. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Guys, I know it's a tough time right now. We're still in the thick of it. It's hard for everybody right now. And I just wanted to say I hope you're doing well. I hope you're all staying safe. And I hope you are all doing what you have to do to stay healthy, happy, and safe. Thank you guys so, so much for all of your support. We love you. Support your essential workers. And take care of each other. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we hang our heads in sadness, we know there's no love lost. We had to go back. You know, you keep saying that, but I'm not really feeling any sense of urgency to do so, so... I'm not feeling any sense of urgency to do anything lately. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we battle our way through a pandemic to bring you not-so-hot takes on a show from long ago. (laughs) Uh, I'm what Will Link. What a great Link. summation of yeah. this premise. <laughs> I'm Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 10, Trisha Tanaka is Dead. bum 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 And, like, I read that title, and I was like, who the heck is Trisha Tanaka? Am I supposed to know who that is? And the answer was no. <laughs> I will tell you what, Megan, between some heavy Lost episodes and just the weight of the world upon all of us, I really appreciated kind of a a break in the season with such a a light and fairly self-contained and kind of joyous uh, episode in a lot of ways. Now, for me, I I came in feeling like this was going to be a pointless episode because I I I remembered a lot of the flashback, which isn't something I can say about a lot of these season three flashbacks, but I remembered this one. And so I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, uh, here we go. It's going to be another kind of pointless flashback episode and we're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, and it's not going to amount to anything. But as it kept going... I kind of 
felt the sense of fun the episode was going for. And even though I don't think this episode is perfect, I got invested in that fun. And yeah, by the time it was done, I was like, what a good time. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, Hurley... Hurley needed a win, and we needed some Hurley in this in this season. You know, Let's, I mean, we, we've we had him drinking with Desmond and Charlie. We've had him doing stuff, but we needed a, a good old-fashioned Hurley episode. I'm going to be honest, Will. I feel like, you know, Hurley needing a win is definitely uh, the, the main point of this episode. But get, just, as you said, just given the state of the world, I feel like we both needed a win, too. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so... That's why this episode is so satisfying. And I, I will be honest, I feel like under normal circumstances, I would not have enjoyed this as much. I probably would have enjoyed it probably as much as the um, the episode with Hurley where it was he and uh, his buddy going around having one last day. I probably would have enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed that one and been like, yeah, it was okay. It was a Hurley episode. It was a good it was fine. Um, but because we both needed a win, I was like, yeah, <laughs> woo! this was great. Well, this episode is written by the team of Kitsis and Horwitz. Uh, they do a lot of the Hurley and Charlie episodes. They kind of became the Hurley and Charlie guys. I think so far this has been my favorite that they've of, of the Hurley Charlie stuff that they've done. I, I feel like. The way they've gone dark is like not necessarily has never necessarily sat right with me. But when they get it right, they get it right. And when they do something fun, it's usually fun. This is maybe the most I felt the Charlie Hurley bond in a lot of ways. Yes. It's like it's been so long since that game of golf in season one where they're just palling around without any drama. Yeah. Without like any arguing or anything like that. It's been so long. And so it's just nice to see them, you know, without concocting a scheme or anything like that. <laughs> um, it's nice to just see them together laughing and enjoying themselves. And this episode is directed by Eric Lenaville, who last directed SOS, which is the Rose and Bernard episode. Oh, the perfect meet cute episode. Yes. <laughs> okay, so this guy knows his stuff. Um, before I get into the flashback, do you want to do that thing you do? Oh, that thing I do. Okay, I can do that thing I do. If this for whatever reason, is your first episode of No Love Lost. Just so you know, we talk about everything in the series, whether it's previous seasons or stuff that happens in the future. It is possible that we will discuss the ending of this show as a whole and definitely future plot points. So, fair warning, there will be spoilers ahead. Um, So let's get into the flashback. And we see young Hurley... Working on a car, and which is something new. I don't. I don't think we ever knew that he he liked fixing things, or at least had any sort of affinity for cars in general, other than the fact that he bought a big old car with his lottery money. Yeah, we hadn't really seen that side of him before, and we also hadn't seen Hurley's daddy issues yet. Uh. <laughs> 
Uh, here we go. Every character. Every well, character. It's funny. It took three seasons to really introduce what they were. But, I mean, we already knew his father wasn't in the picture. I assumed his father was dead. <laughs> Maybe that was bold of me, but that was what I assumed. But instead, his father is Cheech. It's Cheech Marin. Dude, it's always so fun whenever we I get to see him in anything. <laughs> and that's a good bit of casting on uh law on lost's part because one instantly seeing cheech there's going to be a joyfulness that we bring to it but you know you forget that cheech can handle himself not just with the comedy but he can handle himself with the the more serious scenes it's it's one of those things where it reminds you oh right this person is an actor yeah He's more than just Cheech and Chong. Like he's a he 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 can act. Um, can so I be honest? If 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 oh boy, can I be honest? I I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I've never actually seen a Cheech and Chong movie. At the risk of uh, upsetting listeners, I don't think you're missing all that much. <laughs> watch at least I've, one I've, okay i've only seen one but i i i don't know i i I'm, i've never been a big stoner humor guy my, me neither i mean we we talked earlier this season about how neither of us have smoked pot um so yes yeah, stoner humor isn't necessarily my thing but like Man, I, I just I feel like i'm obligated to have seen at least one of them like you you know how like you just feel a certain due diligence to to having to to watch at least at least one of a certain type of film or at least one yeah, entry of a franchise. Exactly. I feel like I sh- should watch at least one, and yet here we are. <laughs> it's it's the same reason like I saw the first Twilight film. Why? Because I needed to know what the people were talking about, and then I saw what they were talking about and was like, "Well, I'm good." And you're like, "Well, I know now." And I can move on with my life. Although, I will say that I, I've seen Cheech Marin in a lot of movies. Yes. But I've only ever seen one that's, like, where he is the the primary character. And that was born in East L.A. Yes. And it has been a number of years since I've seen it. I have not seen it since high school. But I adored that movie. I highly recommend it from, from what I remember... <laughs> I remember having a lot of fun watching it. I saw that movie on cable probably in the early 90s, and I remember liking it. But you know what? I feel like I should definitely revisit it since I now like a Los Angelino and have been for the last 15 years. (laughs) I feel like there's things in the movie I probably would get more. Yeah, I haven't seen it since I moved out to L.A. Um, And when I watched it, it was at a slumber party at a family reunion where I I was hanging out with a bunch of my other Mexican cousins that I had never met before uh, that particular trip. And so we all just sat down and watched Born in East L.A. It was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) It was that... It was a Born in East L.A. Romeo plus Juliet double feature. It's the oddest choice, but we were a bunch of teenage Latina girls, so that's what we went with. That is pretty fantastic. <laughs> so Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to derail so much. I just wanted to explain I, I, and slash apologize. Your history with Cheech. He's great. Um, 
Well, he comes out there and, you know, he's got a bag packed. There's something going on. But, and even young Hurley can sense it. But he's like, oh, well, there's no, we need a new carburetor. And his father's like, hey, let's just start it up anyway. Although, I don't know why he thinks this will work. But he gives a very lovely speech about, you know, after it doesn't work, about, like, having hope is never stupid. And, you know, you have to go make your own luck. It's like a very positive, like, uh, message to give to his, his son. But then it's, of course, followed up with, I'm leaving town to go to, <laughs> to quote-unquote Vegas. And... <laughs> Here's a candy bar. Haha, <laughs> your mom says not to eat too many of those. Bye. Jump on his motorcycle and goes away. The, um, see, I felt like this whole scene was like, I, I understand, I understand, like, sh- illustrating that Cheech in this moment is, or whatever Hugo's father's actual name is, I don't think he ever gets named. Does he ever get named? He's just Poppy, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Re- I don't recall them saying the uh, the name. But um, I mean, we're we're just gonna refer to him as Cheech, I think, for the remainder of the episode. Um, like I get the the point illustrating that he is leaving, that he's basically abandoning um his family. Um, and I I get that point, but like. I don't know. I I know you said it was uplifting, but I found it uplifting in like a confusing way of like, it's not stupid to have hope, but you know what the problem is. You could go and buy the carburetor. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with hope, but if you know how to fix a problem, you shouldn't just sit there and wish that it's going to get better. (laughs) You know, take action, buy that carburetor, start that (laughs) car. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it is kind of, but that's, good to, oh, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. You know, it is, but I guess that says something about the, it fits for the, this character though. It fits oh, for this yeah. father character. That, that's what I was about to follow up with. I'm like, it's contradictory advice, but it makes total sense because it's coming from somebody who's about to absolutely flake out on this kid. <laughs> so... Next time we see Hurley, you know, it's he's older now. It's post-lottery win. And he has bought Mr. Clucks. And he, he is... Which, that's a, that's a huge flex, am I right? Oh, yeah. And he's got Randy working for him now. <laughs> uh, Take great. that, Randy. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great flex. And he's there because it's kind of a... It's a puff piece. And he's being interviewed by local reporter Trisha Tanaka. Which, if this wasn't what Trisha was doing for her job, I'd say quit, you know, don't quit your day job. Because, and granted, that's obviously the way, the, the uh, this isn't a dig at the actress. Like, I'm not taking a dig at the actress. But you can definitely tell she is local reporter material just with how stilted her delivery is for every single line. It's like she uh, she's either brimming with inexperience or she absolutely detests being here. And I think it's a little of both. <laughs> In fairness to her, Hurley is giving her nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, this is not great. He is not a great on-air personality. 
I don't even know. I guess just some publicity for the store. I don't know why he grew because he is not. He's answering like one word. And believe me, I, I for years did a podcast where we're going to have a guest on for like <laughs> six years. And occasionally I'd get a guest like that. And it was a nightmare. Like the only time I ever interviewed a guest like that um was when uh, we were interviewing an actor who happened to still be a teenager. Um, and it was his first on-air interview, and so he was just, he was very shy. Um, but that's the only time I've ever run into that particular issue. Um, yeah, but I guess Hugo, not being a person with a lot of confidence, thinking he's somebody he's cursed, and also probably didn't want to do this puff piece to begin with, but has a problem telling people no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I get it. No one no one here is having a good time, except but, for maybe Randy. He looks like he's oddly cool with the fact that Hugo is now telling him what to do. Um, although it looks like Randy will be out of a job very soon. <laughs> um, so... So Hurley then goes on this – the one time he does talk, he goes on this mini rant about how the numbers have brought nothing but bad luck. And he goes through the laundry list of terrible things that have happened. And that's when Trisha is like, enough of this. It's a puff piece. I'm going inside to get some B-roll. And even Hurley's like, eh, maybe we shouldn't go. And Randy's like, ah, don't be superstitious. They you could go in and shoot the B-roll. And, of course, a meteor or asteroid – Hits the uh, hits Mr. <laughs> Clux because of course it does. <laughs> this was hilarious. <laughs> like I don't know if it's just the fact that this is Hurley, you know, um, you know his perpetual streak of bad luck, or if it was like the you know two early two thousands CGI meteor smashing into the building. But there was just something about this scene where it's like, I'm not sure tonally speaking quite what we're going for here, but it made me laugh. <laughs> um so Hurley comes back home and now he's like and he's covered in like dust from he the looks explosion. Like, he looks like um Tom um Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds. <laughs> Yeah. Only thank yes. goodness it's it's rubble dust as opposed to human powder. <laughs> and he comes home and he goes into a rant to his mom about how he's cursed, how he's cursed, and the mother doesn't like this, so she slaps him, uh, which mirrors something that Hurley would do later in the episode. <laughs> and um, he's like, "No, I'm going to Australia. That's where these cursed numbers originated from. I gotta go." And she's like, no, you're not cursed, and I'm going to prove it. Look who's come back after 17 years away, your father, Cheech. Ooh. Yeah. Got real Anthony vibes here, am I right? Yes. Uh, and although, here's the thing. I don't think, although he well, he does admit later in the episode he's there for the money, but he's not. I don't think at heart he's a malicious person, Hurley's father. I mean, he he did walk out on him as a kid, but yeah. he didn't ever seem to disdain his son. It was more like he just didn't care enough to be around. 
Well, which is a different type of like neglect is a type of abuse. I don't want to diminish that, but there's there's a difference between um, indifference and being malicious, I guess. Yes. Um, and in fairness, the mother contacted him. Yeah, which was a surprise. Uh, and we find that out in the next scene where we also see where the mom has been really like seduced by the money she's got a solid gold jesus <laughs> they have butlers now and that she's treating, private chefs she's treating them very shabbily yeah no da- like she's qu- very quickly grown accustomed to this lifestyle and grown entitled to everything that comes with being super super rich well, she has needs, Megan. <laughs> gross. Your react. Hey, nothing gross about human sexuality. No, there's <laughs> not. There's not. But the fact that she just openly says it in front of her to son, her son. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That's um. that's rough. That's r- look. I'm not here to like kink shame anybody, but like. I don't need to hear that. Con- like, I just put myself in Hurley's shoes and I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to hear that either. <laughs> Hurley, who <laughs> later good. in the episode wears headphones to sleep to block out the sound of his parents having sex. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, you think with a house that big, <laughs> like, that wouldn't be a problem. But apparently it is. Um, well, his, she's a passionate woman. And I guess says. the I've never... I've never lived in a mansion, but I guess depending on the mansion, uh, like certain mansions, I'm sure have great acoustics. It's cavernous. It echoes. (laughs) Sound carries. All right. So gross. (laughs) So uh, he hardly wants to give away all the money. He's getting upset about it. However, he does show on the mother's assist- insistence that he shows his father that they still got the car. Still got the car. You should go get a carburetor for it, you know? Let's do it. But Yeah, I, I do find it interesting that the car sat unfinished. That, like, because, um, you know, they, they did say, hey, like, I'll finish it with you when I get back. And the fact that after all these years, Hurley never just finished it on his own, I think says something about about his character and about how, like, I, I don't know. It, no, I think it's, it's interesting. And it's sad. It's, yeah. It's like it, it makes you feel because that car is a representation in, of his father and it's all he has, has left. Yeah, it's, it's a perpetual reminder of his father's absence. And I don't know. I feel like some like certain characters would in this show would have been like, well, fuck you, dad. I'm going to finish it on my own. And other characters would have just gotten rid of the car. Yeah. Um, Other characters. Yeah. (laughs) Other characters would have pulled a Ferris Bueller and like kicked it off of a second story parking structure. Um, Well, then the next day or I or maybe it's not the next day, but the next part of the flashback is. Hurley's father is like, we're going to go. I know you're going to leave for Australia, whatever. But first, 
I'm telling you, I know how to break this curse. Yeah, because uh, because Trisha Tanaka died at the top of the episode, Hurley is even more convinced that he's surrounded by death, that death follows him wherever he goes. And so he actually paid off the butlers to, like, peace out. <laughs> yeah. Because he's like, you're going to die if you stay. <laughs> you got to go, man. So this brings us to another scene that I thought was a lot of fun with the psychic. Yeah. <laughs> where... And you know it's 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 a great like bit of lost uh, uh, trickery because we've seen very serious psychics or people who clearly have some sort of psychic ability. I mean, there's a there's a a big B plot line where you know the previous episode ended with a guy claiming that he's had psychic visions seeing Charlie's impending death. So like oh. Uh, and- you- you, okay. you said the previous episode. Is it because you blocked out the, uh, I guess, also a psych- psychic I tattoo lady? I don't know what you're talking people? about, Will. Uh, the previous episode, you know, with Desmond <laughs> um, having gone back in time. That was the last episode. I don't I don't know what you're saying. Jack never had tattoos. I don't know. What, what are you tattoos? talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that would ever need to be a thing that needs to get explored. Is it weird that actually for a hot second I did block it out? <laughs> oh. oh, I know you did. <laughs> that, I, was, that was no. That was not a joke initially. <laughs> well, they're at this psychic, and she's pulling out the tarot cards, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, you've come into money," and Hurley's dubious because she could have seen that on the news, and then, "Oh, lots of misfortune." Okay, then she knows the numbers and she recites them. And she sees darkness. She sees death. And she's like, you have a curse. We're going to break this curse. And then she's like pulling out some pot and cracking eggs and and tell him to remove his clothes. And at that point. Did you ever see the nun? No. Uh, there's a there's a scene where a priest walks into the um, to the main family's house and very similar. He's got eggs everywhere. He's walking around. And I was just like, uh, <laughs> it just reminded me of that. And anything that reminds me of the nun should go away. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, And Harley's getting suspicious now. And then he's like. Yeah, because she tells him, take off your clothes. Yeah. And he's like, wait, wait, hold the phone. Hold the phone. And he said, did my father put you up to this? And she's like, what? And he's like, I'll give you $1,000. And she's like, wow, the, you know, the psychic arts, I would never. And he goes, I'll give you $10,000. And she immediately is like, yeah, he put me up to it. <laughs> Which, granted, for ten grand, I might have lied. <laughs> but clearly she was telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if somebody said, I'll give you $10,000 right now to sell out this guy that you've never met, <laughs> I would be like, yes. It for, for an instance like this, where it's just like a little white lie, I probably would lie for ten grand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she uh, decides to tell the truth, which is yes. good. Um, so Hurley's back on the idea he's going to go to Australia. And that's when his father comes to him and he goes, look, I... I was here for the money, but I'm not here at this moment for the money. And he kind of reiterates a little bit of that speech from from early on. And he's like, you know, going to Australia is not going to break 
the curse. You need to make your own luck. And he's even encouraging of if you have to give the money away, give the money away. Yeah. We can go on that road trip. We can go to the Grand Canyon finally. Yeah, and I think it's the, the constant reiteration of you make your own luck. I find that interesting because that's exactly what he was told when he goes to Australia. So that kind of retroactively gives that bit of advice a little bit more context. Like, you know, he, he didn't listen to every to his father when his father kept telling him, you make your own luck. And could you imagine going all the way to Australia, no, like in your head, knowing that you're cursed, knowing that you're right, and confronting this person and having them basically tell you, no, there's no such thing as curses. You make your own luck. Like, how how did that affect Hugo now that we retroactively know the scene leading up to him leaving? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he leaves. Then Hurley leaves. As we knew he would because... Because he goes to Australia. He goes to Australia. Now, I do want to ask Will. We were talking a little bit about how we don't think Cheech Marin in this episode is particularly... Um, uh, is particularly malicious. I think when he comes to him at the end, there he's genuine. You think it's you think he's he's being sincere. Yes. Honestly, for me, it's a coin toss. Like I legit don't know because he, yeah, he didn't seem to be like mean spirited when he left or anything like that. But he's been gone for seventeen years, and as far as we know, hasn't even attempted to make any sort of contact with his kid. So. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, no, that's a shitty thing, too. He's a shitty dad. But, like, when he says the thing about if you got to give away the money, I I think he means it. And I think he's a – I think he's someone who hasn't fully wrestled with his own past and With mistakes. his own shortcomings. Yeah. And I think he's I think he's genuine in those it's, scenes. It's true, though. The um, the scene with the psychic might have given him the sort of like kick in the pants that he needed to kind of confront how much of a terrible father he's been. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, according to him, to his credit, he didn't come until somebody asked him to show up. So I don't know. I don't think he's. He's not the worst lost dad, but he's definitely nowhere near the best. He's definitely not a good dad. <laughs> so I, at some point, we're going to have to make a chart out of oh. like ranking lost dads from worst to best. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Who do you think is the best dad? That's a tough one. They're all, <laughs> they're all pretty oh, bad. I guess Jin's dad's good. That's, exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> yeah jin has a good dad jin has a good dad uh and i i guess the worst is locks <laughs> yeah probably so <laughs> there we go that's our spectrum <laughs> on a scale of jin to lock you know i think cheech is very much closer to a jin yeah yeah now he's he's definitely um in, in terms of like the uh the gradient he's he's definitely in, in the upper percentile of the average of all of these dads yeah um okay so let's get to the island all right to the island which one though will which one we're on the big island all right yay the big island and hurley is kind of recounting 
what he went through at the end of season two and the finale of season two and getting back to the camp and we quickly realize he's telling this to Libby's grave. Which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. Because, like, I know that not long from now, we're basically going to pretend like there was no tail section. Because <laughs> everybody who was on it, who came over to where we're at, is is dead. <laughs> um, so like, Except Bernard. Bernard remains. Bernard remains. Um, and we haven't seen him at all this season yet, if I'm recalling correctly. I don't think we have. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what he and Rose are doing. They're just off doing their own thing. <laughs> we can't have them because we have to make room for Nikki and Paolo's antics, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, um, in a little while, like this, because Mr. Echo asked to leave, the, you know, uh, Adewale asked to leave the show and Mr. Echo was subsequently killed off. It doesn't take long, basically, before the the Tailies feel p- pretty irrelevant, which I think is a huge distur- like disservice to that plot line because I loved those characters. So this moment where he's just talking to Libby and, you know, missing her and just wanting somebody to confide in, I, I think it's really sweet. So, uh, he he leaves Libby's grave and he sees Charlie being all mopey on the beach. And, <laughs> Wrestling with his own mortality. <laughs> yeah. And Harley's like, why are you so, why are you a gloomy Gus? He doesn't say that. I just said that. <laughs> and um, Classic Hugo right there. Gloomy Gus. And um, Charlie basically says, well. Uh, Desmond has predicted my death. <laughs> and Hurley, like, doesn't question it, but he takes on the blame of it. He goes, death finds me. This could be my fault. And right as he says, death finds me, Vincent runs out of the jungle carrying a, With a severed, severed arm. arm. <laughs> yeah. Severed skeletal arm that has some car keys in its hand. <laughs> That like it was at this point in the episode where I'm like, is there anybody watching Vincent now? Like, I know that Shannon was supposed to do it. Shannon's been dead for a long time. Who's watching this dog? I don't think anyone is. He runs wild on the <laughs> island, which you know that'll that that goes all the way to like the last scene of the series. It so really there you does. go. <laughs> it really does. I believe. Uh, am I making this shit up? This, this is the thing of, like, my memory uh, on the rewatch, but I believe at a certain point Rose and Bernard take them. I mean, maybe. I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, I mean, at, at a certain point, because everybody starts going off on, like, they leave the island and then they come back and then there's time travel shenanigans. So I think at a certain point, Rose and Bernard are the only ones who can take care of the of the puppy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, like, theirs by default. <laughs> um, so... But I, I did like the, the moment where um, Charlie, you know, he tells Hurley and he's like, and this is the part where you're supposed to tell me, hey, it's cool. No worries. Like, nobody's psychic. Psychics aren't real. Don't be silly. And <laughs> that's when Hurley's like, oh, no, Desmond's definitely psychic. <laughs> but um, instead, he's like, let's follow the. Uh... Let's follow this, uh, you know, dog. 
to to its you know what will undoubtedly be human remains maybe that maybe the body's in more pieces who knows charlie opts not to go but hurley follows vincent and he comes across an old like one of those old school vw vans and it's a dharma van it's a hippie van um and there is he finds the body in there and it is of roger workman (laughs) roger workman um do you know who roger workman is do you remember if i recall correctly and this is why we give the spoiler alert at the top of the show if i recall correctly roger happens to be benjamin linus's dad he exactly he's roger linus ah (laughs) i like roger workman better it just sounds like one I I know why. It just sounds like one of those names like if a, a spy would come up with on the fly, you know, when their cover had been blown. Like, no, I'm not 007. I'm Roger Workman. P. Tier Griffin. <laughs> um so so Hurley's all excited about the discovery of this van and he runs back to camp. Where we have this little uh, moment at camp where we see Sun is uh, kind of telling Jin we're only going to speak in English. It's the only way you're going to learn. And Jin's getting frustrated, you know. <laughs> I I know this is like a C plot line, but I really liked this. Yeah, it's a nice little moment. Um, but Hurley shows up and he's like, hey, we're gonna, we found this car. We're going to try to start it. And everyone's like why and hurley's like because it would be fun and hurley is hurley's right everybody's kind of being look i know there's serious things going on but hurley's also kind of right like let's why why not start try to start the van why not come take a look at it and everyone's shutting him down paulo shuts him down because he's the worst (laughs) um because paulo's just terrible uh yeah and then Charlie, but then Charlie's even like, no, because he still wants to mope about. His impending uh, doom. <laughs> but Jin just stands there. So he's <laughs> you in. You know what this is? This is those moments in cartoons where they're like, I need a volunteer. And if there are any volunteers, step forward. And everybody else takes a step back <laughs> except for Jin. So Jin is uh, and Hurley's like you don't know what I'm talking about, but this is gonna be fun, yeah. and, and and they go into the jungle, and um, you know they're trying to they find they find Dharma beer all in the trunk of the car, the From, back of the car. What 1970 something? <laughs> yep, and <laughs> and um, Jin comes up with the idea. He's like, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. And he communicates this to Hurley, and Hurley figures it out that we're going to take Roger out of the van, and then we're going to kind of get some leverage and knock it back uh, over. Get it, get it properly, uh, you know. And they go to take Roger out, and of course, Roger's head falls off. <laughs> Which makes for a great, a great joke later. Wait, 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 wait. So his head falls off. I guess uh, it wasn't a good time to lose one's head. 
he'll never be the head of a major corporation. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's no way to get ahead in life. <laughs> I'm just quoting Austin Powers. Yes. yes. <laughs> I won't stop until you stop me, so please I... stop me. Uh, stop. <laughs> I will stop you. Um, so there was, um, you know, there's kind of a, a B plot in this that I'm going to get to. I want to save the Kate of it for later, but I do need to set up that Sawyer returns to camp. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to the Kate stuff after. Yeah, but, but, but Sawyer's, Sawyer and Kate are back, and the, uh, Kate's doing her own thing. But yeah, they're back, and it's, it's a very touching reunion. So Sawyer is back in camp, and meanwhile, Charlie is confronting Desmond. Like, when's it going to happen? When's it? And first, Desmond's like, oh, I drank too much. Shouldn't have said stuff. But it's like, you did tell this guy you could see the future and he's going to die. So Charlie wants to know when, but Desmond's like, it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, he's probably only going to get a flash of it happening right before it happens, dude. <laughs> so Sawyer comes up to Charlie and he confronts him. Who was going through my stash? There was like porn in there and a bottle of scotch and desmond <laughs> desmond basically is like ah well i was part of drinking that scotch and charlie admits to being part of it and they there was a third person and sawyer wants to know who it is <laughs> cut, to, cut to hurley <laughs> cut to hurley and sawyer coming over confronting him angrily but Hurley's just so happy to see that Sawyer's alive. Oh, this was so perfect. It's a great moment. It's a great, like, Hurley's got this right now. There's such this positive attitude because he hugs Sawyer. And Sawyer's, like, basically telling him, like, we couldn't get, we, you know, we couldn't. Uh, it was just me and Kate. Jack is still there. And Hurley's like, we're going to get Jack back. It's all going to be okay. Like, it, it's just this great moment. Yeah, no, it, like, it's funny because, you know, Sawyer walks up all piss and vinegar, you know, because he, he gets worked up about the stupidest things because he's Sawyer. And then, like, Hurley runs over and hugs him, and he's just so happy. And you just see all of that anger and, like, pent-up fury that he's misdirecting. You know, he's mad yeah that like things didn't work out with him and Kate so he's just picking something to be mad about which is his stuff and so he's directing that at Hurley right now and you just see all of that anger wash away as Hurley embraces him and it's just it, it's a great bit of acting from the both of them it's delightful yeah, it's a great scene and then he basically tells them uh we're gonna uh you're going to help us with this because there's beer in it, basically. <laughs> there's beer in it for you, and we did take all your booze, so you got nothing left. <laughs> so Sawyer helps him flip over the uh, the van, and then Sawyer gets in there. He finds a map Dharma was making for roads on the island, but he also finds Roger's head. <laughs> here oh that's just roger <laughs> uh and then we we see that they they even prop roger up later that they put his head back on which is very nice of him it's very kind <laughs> um but hurley's gonna you know he's doing that thing that him and his father 
did with the carburetor. And he's like, let's just see. Let's just see. And, he, and of course, the engine won't turn over. Nah. It's been sitting in the wrong direction for, like, a couple decades now, dude. <laughs> it's probably going to need a new battery. <laughs> it's probably going to need a lot of TLC. Um, but you know what still works? That beer, apparently. Because even though it's flat and smelly, Sawyer's drinking it. Now, what... How long... What is the, the, the shelf life of beer? I don't know. I'm not a beer drinker. <laughs> like, I I like... I, I mostly like liquor. Like, I, I just uh, finished a glass of uh, Jack while, while we were talking. But, um... And I, I like my wine, and I, I like cocktails and things like that. But, um... I, I like the, the occasional beer now and then, even though if it's not my go-to. But I don't think... It works quite like wine or or other other types of liquor, where I don't think the longer you wait, the better beer. No, gets. it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't age like you know. Nobody's like, oh, I have this fourteen-year-old uh, Budweiser. Oh, so I'm I'm googling right now shelf life of beer in a can, and it says canned beer, um, pantry date uh canned beer lasts for six to nine months um in the pantry if you keep it in the fridge it's six months to two years bottled beer uh and homemade beer also lasts for six to nine months or six months to two years if you put it in the fridge well this would be longer (laughs) canned beer go bad uh, the answer is, as with most things in life, it depends. <laughs> Thanks, Google. <laughs> There's more to that, but I think I've spent enough time I feel, reading. I feel like that's something Sawyer would say, too. <laughs> so now Hurley is getting obsessed. He's getting a little manic about it. He's like, we need to fix it. It's kind of the idea that if he could fix this van, he could fix all the problems everyone's having. Kind of similar to a couple other people on the island, huh? Yeah. Jack, if I can just fix this, everything will be okay. And Except Locke, there's... if I can just fix this, the island will forgive me, probably. <laughs> there's something a lot more lovable about when Hurley does it, though. Because he's like, if I can just fix this van, everyone's going to have a good time. Which is a whole lot less self-righteous than if I fix this, I'll be redeemed (laughs) but Sawyer reminds Hurley that there is no hope here (laughs) (laughs) he's like have you been on the same island as me (laughs) and he tosses Hurley a beer that goes way over Hurley's head and Hurley goes to look and he sees there's a giant hill behind them Ooh. That gives Hurley an idea. It gives Hurley hope. He goes to get Charlie, who is still moping around. And Hurley slaps him like uh, (laughs) Cher in Moonstruck. You know, slapping (laughs) Nick Cage. Because he even says, snap out of it. And um, he's like, you're going to come with me. And we're going to do this thing. And it's dangerous. But if we don't die... We win. And <laughs> what an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> and this speech gets Har- Charlie enough to to realize Hurley's serious enough that he's gonna follow him. <laughs> so can I can I be honest, Will? Yeah. I I once told a friend uh, a couple years ago that 
if I happen to make it through any given day without accidentally killing myself in a stupid way because I'm very clumsy, <laughs> I consider that a win. I can so I, I turned to her and I said, so every and when that's your metric, every day's a win until it's not. And she just kind of stared at me for a second and she's like, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So <laughs> they show up and of course uh, Sawyer hits Hurley with one of his patented nicknames. He calls him Jumbotron. But Hurley says, calls him Redneck Man. Which is so, so perfect. To the point where even even Sawyer's just like, touche. <laughs> I don't think anybody was expecting Hurley to have a clap back of any kind. So the fact that he came up with something was pretty great. So they push the van, they push Hurley in the van to the edge of the cliff. And Hurley stops the van. And he tells him his idea is he's going to go down the hill and hopefully that'll be the jump that the car needs to to start. And basically Sawyer's like, oh, well, you're going to you're going to die. <laughs> um, but if they don't die, they win. So, <laughs> so and that's when Hurley turns to Charlie and says, what do we say to the God of death? Not today. <laughs> so, uh, Charlie decides, you know what? I'm going to ride shotgun with you. I'm going to do this. Because Hurley's my ride or die, man. Riding shotgun. And they get in the, the van, and Sawyer's like, okay, against all of his <laughs> engine's better judgment, they push the van. And this is a pretty good sequence, because the van is going down that hill. It is going down that hill fast. And it is heading directly towards a bunch of rocks. Although I think he would be able to turn it even if it doesn't start. Yeah, but never. <laughs> depending on... I think depending on the angle of the hill, like, you could potentially risk flipping the van again. Yeah. But, um... You know, depending on how sharply he turns and everything like that. Um, but, yeah, I do think you could turn out of the way of the the rocks, at least to a certain extent. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think we're meant to believe this hill is actually steeper than it than it actually <laughs> is in real life. And Hurley's taking it down there. And Charlie's like, all right, well, if you're going to try to start that car, start it now. And Hurley just keeps kind of this mantra of make your own luck. There is no curse. Make your own luck. There is no curse. And the car's getting very close to the rocks. And then he turns the key and the engine starts and they pull away from the rocks. And it's like one of those Sawyer, I'll be damned moments. And... <laughs> and they're all they race down there and they're driving around and it is one of the most like in my head like i remember all these shots and i remember the joy of like sawyer and jen running alongside the van like i remember all of that it's a very wonderful joyous sequence uh there's like groovy tunes playing yeah yeah <laughs> when uh when the when the engine starts up the tape in the deck starts playing and the it, eight, yeah. eight track oh it's an eight track yeah <laughs> awesome 
And and uh, and it is the same song that I believe is playing at the beginning of the episode when young Hurley's working at the car, working on the car. Almost like it was destiny. And this kind of moment bleeds into everyone coming back to camp and everyone's like in a good mood and even Hurley he doesn't go back to, he's still sitting in the van but he's feeling good and Charlie goes to Claire and Jing goes to Sun with a flower well and uh, a few more uh, phrases in his vocabulary thanks to Sawyer that's right I skipped that part <laughs> that's right Sawyer taught Jin a few a few um, uh, the three the only three phrases you need um, to appease a woman apparently <laughs> Which, uh, Will, do you remember what they were? Um, like, you, I'm, uh, you were right? <laughs> That's definitely one of them, yes. You, I, those pants don't make you look fat? Was That's that number, one? That's number two. That's number two. And I what's the last one? I can't remember. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the it. one oh. thing that Sawyer wasn't willing to say. That's true. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Why didn't I even think of that? I um, just thought this was great. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, man. Well, everybody gets back to uh, um, uh, camp and seems kind of happy. But Sawyer's a little alone because there is a B-plot. Because he wouldn't say sorry. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into this. <laughs> okay. So, Kate and Sawyer are coming back to camp. Yeah, after an entire episode of bickering nonsense. <laughs> I do remember that. Boo. But they are continuing to bicker. And, you know, she's not thrilled that they're coming back to camp and they have to explain that there's no Jack. And Sawyer in the press, he steps on a dart. Dude, can I can I be real with you? Like, yeah. I totally, because I didn't remember what the B-plot of this episode was, I totally kind of thought we were going to go into, like, a Sawyer's been poisoned plot line and that they were going to have to find an, yeah. like. And then, like, and then like, Kate. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and if he was poisoned, then Kate would be like, I bet you wish you went back for Jack now. Where is a doctor <laughs> when you need him? <laughs> is there a doctor in the house but no i legit thought for a minute that that was what was gonna lead into the to the to the ending of this episode um because i knew that that was how this episode was gonna end but like i couldn't remember how we got there and so i kind of thought that this was the connecting thread but no this was just sawyer just wasn't looking where he was stepping <laughs> but this is kind of the excuse for them to stop and talk and sawyer's basically like let's have a clean slate which he says is a reference to Little House, which then Kate, like, is surprised he calls Little House on the Prairie Little House, which doesn't seem like something that should surprise anyone. I think, uh, uh, well, I think the thing that surprises her more is, is that, that he watched, he watched, he yeah. watched a Little House on the Prairie. I think, so I think it's more of, like, teasing him that he watched the show enough to have to abbreviate it. <laughs> he watched the show and talked about it enough to have to abbreviate. Oh my God, Will. Could you imagine 
uh, James Ford Sawyer having a Little House on the Prairie podcast where he would review episode by episode <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. Well, that's what he did when he got back from uh, from the island. Eventually, <laughs> yeah, because uh, we know he and Kate didn't get together. So, what did he do? He started a podcast. Um, that is bizarre to think about. That like the people got you know who got off the island could have then you know a- as time progressed created a podcast by the about way, their experiences. If. Charlie had lived and him and Hurley left the island together. Oh, they, they totally would have done a podcast. Totally <laughs> yeah. So And you know what? That shit would get so many downloads every week, man. I'd subscribe. So, admittedly during this moment, I did write in my notes like, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> um and and then She's waiting for Sawyer to say sorry. And Sawyer says he says nothing to be sorry for. And am I wrong in agreeing with Sawyer? Like, I know we just said the whole thing he didn't say was sorry. But what is he supposed to be apologizing for? I'm a little I'm a little confused. He was a he was a dick in the last episode. But Kate's also acting like ridiculous. <laughs> like Honestly, this whole... I think in this episode she's fine. But uh, like leading well, well, up Leading up to this, like, no, no, like, I, we've, we've talked at length about my problems with Kate this season. I don't think she's acting out of the, like, I don't think she's acting too unreasonably in this episode, given how, I guess, mean-spirited Sawyer was to her in the previous one. So I think that's more like, she's like, just say you're sorry and we can move on. See, I take it's still about, like, the... J- like, she's still sh- being shitty about the Jack thing, though. Uh, oh, like... Uh, wait, what? Uh, just because she wants to go back for him? Like, she feels bad about having left him? Or well, she she's feels... She's been angry that they left him, but they literally had no choice. Yeah. But, like... I... I don't necessarily think that she's being too shitty about it. Like I, I think, think she, she was in the last episode. I think they were both being really shitty in the last one. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's just one of those things where they both need to say they're sorry and they're too stubborn um, and pigheaded to actually just, you know, bite the bullet and say it. <laughs> So, I would agree with that. I think they both need to apologize to each other. Um, I don't know. Maybe she apologized off screen and he just hasn't yet. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I don't think she's wrong for wanting an apology. And I but I also think she should apologize to him as well. They um, she does get back to camp and she tells Saeed and Locke about what happened with Jack and the others. Talks about they were on this other island. She was in a zoo that but they don't live there. They live on this island. Because that's not complicated. (laughs) And she goes, I'm going to go get some help. And she, like, traipses off into the jungle. Um, And you know she's who she's. There's only one person when you traipse off in the jungle looking for help. Yeah, and uh, she, like... I, I think it's Sawyer who's like, wh- like, what are you doing? Who are you trying to find? And she's like, there's only one person who can help me. And that's when we know it's fan favorite Rousseau. Woo! Yeah. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> 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 I will never get over <laughs> Rousseau and Lost the Musical. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> it is a delight. 
So they end up... I mean, this B story is very short. Kate's in the jungle, and Saeed and Locke have followed her. And... I mean, did Kate not think that Saeed and Locke weren't going to be part of this, though? Like, I don't know. I feel like Kate's in a real... She's pulling a real, like, jump at the conclusions, uh, almost like I got to do this on my own thing, which everybody... She's being... I, like, I don't know. I I understand, like, kind of feeling a little abandoned. Like, nobody nobody came to rescue us. Um, like, I, I get that. But when you find out you're you were on a different island that should immediately solve that like oh why didn't anybody come for us oh because we weren't on the same freaking island like like she has no way of knowing that they weren't conducting search parties for them or anything like that well i mean i would argue that saeed did try to do something oh yeah no he definitely did no this this feels like a bit of contrived writing to to make it so that she's going off on her own. Um, like again, it would be one thing if they actually were on the same island. And although to be fair, it did take them an entire season to find the motivation to go after Walt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe she was jumping to conclusions because she's like, "Well, when the kid disappeared, we didn't do anything." So and they didn't really ever. <laughs> go after claire either no so maybe that was it maybe she just sort of assumed that they didn't (laughs) they didn't bother looking (laughs) live together die alone doesn't uh account for people being kidnapped i guess not yeah once somebody's kidnapped by the others that person might as well be dead (laughs) so Locke says hey we know where to go and she's like oh how do you know and Saeed's like, well, the way the light hit Mr. Echo's staff. And that, like, man, what great actors to be able to deliver lines like that with the proper amount of sarcasm. <laughs> but then who pops up? It Rousseau. And After she's... firing a couple warning shots. <laughs> and Rousseau's like, and she's like, hey, Rousseau, you're going to help us. And Rousseau's like, whatever, get off my land. <laughs> get off goes, my lawn. And she goes, well, there was a 16-year-old girl with the others who helped us escape. Her name's Alex. She's your daughter. And then we have our loss episode end. <laughs> Which is a great ending to this episode. Like, I'll be honest, I kind of, like, probably about halfway through this episode, I was wondering if the A plot and the B plot got mixed up. Because I felt like normally uh, all of Hurley and Charlie's shenanigans would have been B plot material. Um, But instead it was kind of the central focus. And I was just like, oh, it's kind of weird that, you know, this the search for Rousseau is not the main focus of this episode <laughs> that instead it was it was limited to to a very small amount of screen time and i was like did a and b get mixed up but finding rousseau was not the point of this episode the point um was sort of a a break from the tension yeah so um, that's the episode. It's a, it's, 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 it's a good one. It's a lighter one. Um, yeah. Megan, I'm having a lot of trouble with this part, so I'm going to make you go first. <laughs> what are we starting with? Man in Black. Um, hmm. Man in Black. 
that's a little bit tough because um, this episode isn't isn't bad. Um, it's like I wouldn't call this like my favorite lost episode by any means, but it is a nice change of pace. Um, let's see. Man in Black. <laughs> I'm having it's trouble also with the, it, too. It's the rare episode that feels kind of self-contained, too. Although that van does come back into play. I I will also say that, like, um, there's nothing egregiously wrong with this episode. And there's also, like, like especially comparatively speaking, compared to the last episode. God, this is a fucking masterpiece, my dude. <laughs> um... Uh, Do you want me to go first? Because I'm going to be real. I I think I have mine. Go for it. Go for it. I mean, I was just, I don't know if it's totally fair, but I do think like there's some some Kate stuff going on that I've already said I'm not super thrilled with that I feel like she's being a little like, you know, she's not listening to reason in a way that I think Kate normally would and she's just traipsing off like, I, I don't know. It, it, this is a real this is a real nitpick on my part, but I need to say something, so I'm going with that. Okay, I'm going to actually give it to um, the death at the at the top of the episode, Trisha Tanaka, for Trisha Tanaka is dead. Being the title of the episode, Trisha Tanaka does not really matter. I mean, I know that it was there, like, the the whole point of that sequence was to explain partially why Randy went to a box company (laughs) Um, instead of staying in fast food. But I also know that, like, it it was meant to reinforce the this notion that uh, Hugo's cursed and that death follows him. But ultimately, I felt like it was kind of pointless. I'm like, we we had already seen people around him die i feel like the seeing a meteor come out of nowhere like i said t- at the t- at the top of the episode i felt tonally confused by the sequence i'm like oh. is it supposed to be darkly comedic see i like it i find it very funny <laughs> and i find it like real gallows humor I-, I would say i feel like both of us are real nitpicking this one yeah but if i had to pick something uh it would be Trisha Tanaka's very loose tie into this episode. I feel like we could have done something else. Um, what's what's your Jacob then? Oh man, there 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 are some really good stuff. Like I did like Kate taking agency back and being like, "I'm gonna go find Rousseau and do the thing." Bye. I loved. I loved. Charlie and Hurley's dynamic in this episode. I I like Charlie calling Desmond out on his BS of trying to lie. Um, I loved... I think I'm going to have to give it to the moment Hurley hugged Sawyer. Because that was like a turning point in the episode where I was like, okay, we're spinning our wheels to the point where I genuinely started having fun. Um, Because like I said, I I spent a good chunk of this episode thinking like, okay, this is just filler. This is just filler before I was finally alone for the ride. I kind of felt like Sawyer in this. I'm dragging my feet. I'm being a grumpy Gus. And then Hurley comes over and gives that hug. And all of a sudden my heart melts. So I'm going to give it to I'm going to give it to that moment. (laughs) I'm going to give it to the 
I like the way it's shot. I like the 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 performance. I think the just the that joyous moment when they're all like in the van at the end. Like, uh, and again, great. maybe it's, it's just like we all needed the show needed that, and we all needed that. Yeah, and you know what? I, I love when this show does unlikely pairings. Um, I didn't think. Like we'd get an episode focusing on Hurley and Jin as a dynamic duo for a little while, and I loved that dynamic. That was a lot of fun. So, um, that's it for this episode. Yeah, it was a good time, wasn't it? It was. Megan, where can the people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my roommate talk about horror things. And I am also a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-hosts talk about Rooster Teeth-related shows. So go check that out if you're interested. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link, and you can pick up my novel Crazy About Kurt on Amazon. Uh, it's the perfect pandemic read. <laughs> so, um, I guess until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always. Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, 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 Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be kinky. Uh, Drinks with God, and a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert, uh, not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.